last couple of weeks, we've been in this series um, about how that we've been coming along the first number. And this year we've been talking about things like uh, uh, this is not all about me kind of thing. Well, yeah, have you ever been uh, maybe up in the middle of the morning and you turn on the TV and you watch these infomercials, these weird things that only come on during the middle of the night and then kind of weird things? Where they've got maybe record stuff, you know, the, the greatest hits of the Bee Gees or whatever, and, and you can buy these CDs and maybe the greatest hits of the 50s or whatever. What if it would be, what would it be like if uh, you could buy a CD set of the greatest hits of play songs to your set? What would that be like? collection of new you worship ever assembled on one CD. All 20 songs, all about you. This amazing collection is great to share with friends. Everyone can join in the worship with you, for you, and about you. Because you are unique, and you love you. All this for only 1995. Operated the standing by to serve you. If you order now, you'll also receive a second CD of Yule Five Beta. and call that and uh, get your order going there. You know, um, you know, speaking of, of, of buying things, uh, my wife and I bought something here like, uh, not long ago where they found something for free. Isn't it great to get something for free? I mean, this thing is great to be able to get this thing for free. It's, it's called the Amazon Echo Box. Anybody have any things that know these things like here? Oh, yeah, a few people have got this. For those of you who don't know about this thing, okay, it kind of looks like a happy pack with a in the comments that one says, okay? And, and there's a woman in there named Alexa. And you can talk to Alexa. Alexa talks to And it's amazing stuff. And Alexa does all kinds of stuff for you. And what you can do is you can turn it on the security system in the house. You can, you can adjust the thermostat. You can make it hotter and cooler. You can, um, you, know, you can ask her, hey, Alexa, where is your work? I get a good pizza in here. And I'm so tired. You know, which means that half of ten Christmas last year. So, you know, you can, and, you know, she can uh, do, do all kinds of things. The other day, um, and, uh, I was about to leave the house, and before I did, Linda was standing there, and I wasn't Linda was standing there, so I said, Alexa, say, I love Linda in Portuguese. So she said, I love Linda in Portuguese. <laughs> Turns out my wife doesn't understand Portuguese. But, you know, Alexa does. My, my dad has got one of these things. My brother bought it for him because he figured that he could um, program this thing remotely and uh, give my dad uh, some reminders. 
you know, my dad is in a assisted living center in Minnesota now. And so, you know, he'll get a little bit of 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 it's two o'clock, and it's time for bingo, or you know, whatever it might be. Amazing, you know, what what this thing can do. It's great to be able to have somebody who will do anything I ask. You know, it's easy to you know, with something like Alexa, you need to think that it really is all about me. It's all it isn't. Because the last few days, when I asked Alexa to do something, she'd say, Alexa is having difficulty connecting to the internet. Turns out it's not about me after all. It's about the internet. So what is the right thing to do? What are we going to That's where this series comes in. That's where this book comes in. I am a first member. So far, this thing has been really well received. You know, a lot of people say, oh, it's great. It's great. Some of them say, you know, it's been a great series. It's great to be able to hear about how it's not all about me, first. And as soon as this church figures out that they should do everything else that they want around here, this place is going to be a really great place. You know, so it makes me wonder, uh, is there a disconnect maybe sometimes between the heaven and heart? You know, intellectually, we might know, yeah, intellectually, we know, it's not all about me, but then the heart goes in another direction. And, and, and this means it's not so easy to live up to what we know in our head. So back in the early time of my ministry, I went to a conference in, uh, at Saddleback Church in Southern California, which was Rick uh, Warren's church. He passed that. And two years before, he came out with a, a book called The Purpose Driven Church. And he had a copy, read a copy, and everything like that. And I was at the conference, and he was doing a book thing. So I, I had him sign my book. And he was so personal and so interactive that we really made a connection. And a few years later, he came out with a secret, which was the purpose of the mouth. Did you read the purpose of the mouth? He said, quite a few, quite a few read the purpose of the mouth. That's the only time I hadn't read the purpose of the mouth. But it was fantastic. And here was a tie and a stack of books, purpose of the mouth. So I took one off the top, opened the thing up, and, and said, what? What in the world does this have to say here? And uh, I came to the first chapter, opened up to the first chapter, and uh, the very first line in the very first chapter in this book said these words precisely, this is still another book, said, it's not about you. I read that, and I said to myself, yes, 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 you're not going to send me any something. Not when you're beginning a book, why, eh? Well, this book went on to the New York Times bestseller list. And in that book, it sold 34 million copies of that book, The Purpose of the Night. It tells you how much I know. Yeah. I figured that people were just too much into themselves really to be able to make it beyond that first line. They could read the first line and say, I'm not reading each other. I'm not just reading each other. What do you mean it's not about you? What do you mean? So why in the world did people get beyond that? Why did he start sending these books? How was it that so many people were able to actually look at the honor of themselves? Maybe because it's easy to agree in principle with this idea. It's not about me. The guy mentioned he really needs to hear that message. And I'm going to be reading this book out loud here 
And so they really get that message. Well, you, you are right. Like, it's not about you. Now, did you hear that? It's easy to get it up here. But it's more difficult to figure out when it's not in your own that they're totally all about you. And to be able to recognize that. So what about you? So the book that we're reading is talking about here, I'm a church member, written by Tom Rainey. Well, Tom says it's this way in chapter 3. This is what we're talking about today, chapter 3. He says, don't get me wrong. There may be much about this church that you like. You like it a lot. But you're there to meet the needs of others. You are there to serve others. You are there to give. You are there to sacrifice. Get the picture? Time, time, time. Well, not that so many books are talking about this. But it's really hard. Don't you know that this is a consumeristic culture plan? I mean, don't you know that people, if they hear things like that, they're going to go down the street, they're going to buy somebody else's book, they're going to go down the street, they're going to get, you know, whatever that might be. Time, 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 time. That's not bad that people are looking at it with this kind of a message. Why would they? Why would they? And that is this, the people really want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And you can't be part of something bigger than yourself if you think that it's all about you because you don't want to be as big as you. So maybe it isn't all about me. That's the case. But somebody's got three names to fight with about this. Somebody's got to fight in. So in Mark 9, we picked up again here. Yeah, they all came to concern Jesus and asked the disciples, What are you arguing about? What were you arguing about on the road? They were out there fighting the road. They were arguing. But they kept quiet because on the road they had argued about who was greatest. Why did they keep quiet? Because intellectually they knew. They knew that it was more about me. But their heart lived out a different story. It was the argument city out there. Who's the greatest? One of them was ready, and Jesus was going to pull him out of that way. And he demonstrated that when a person tries to live that way, as though it is all about you, they want to an argument and fight. So the disciples argued about who is the greatest. This means that when I'm making life all about me, I'm in complete company. And these are the people who, if you go to thousands of Catholic churches, you're going to find your life missing there. Well, these, these people are the same people that if you go to medieval art, you're going to see halos over their heads. And these are people who are trying to make it all about me. So Jesus, Jesus, it's like this. It's like this, Jesus. Somebody's got to be first. So why not me? Now, Jesus answered them this way. Mark 9. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last. He took a little child, this is his little face, he took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these, the little children of mine, welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Now, in those days, children were considered to have the same value in society as slaves. And slaves, even fully grown adult slaves, were considered to have the same value in society as children. 
So what Jesus is saying here is that you want to be great, you want to be safe, you want to be number one, then be a slave. Now, when it comes to being a church member, this new first attitude really can be dangerous. It can be dangerous to your relationships, it can be dangerous to your peace, but it can also be dangerous to your church. And Tom Rainey and his team, they, they did a survey, and they went to a bunch of different churches, and they figured out that the churches that were new focused, that were self-centered, that were inwardly focused, had certain things in common. And they came up with different categories, different things on the survey. I thought today we would take a look at the things we can and see, you know, how can we measure up here? And if you look at these categories, do you see that outside in any of these categories? These kind of cases also, I think, can fairly be called unhealthy. You don't want to be there. So, we'll take a look at these things. Here's one of the things. Where's the three things? Now, worship wars uh, happen in churches that um, have multiple church worship styles. And the one style, they look at another style and say, well, when you finally get your act together and figure out that God only speaks this style, you know, you're actually going to be able to communicate with God in worship. So come on over to this side here. Come on over to the next side of the cross here. Uh, and, and they would fight about these different kinds of styles. Now, thankfully, I've really not seen that here. Even though we've got different styles, we've got two different worship services, two different styles. And you know what? We still exist and recognize it. it's something that I, I think is, is the case. And that is that uh, people do speak in different worship languages. And by having different styles of worship here, we have the opportunity to speak in different languages to God. Kind of like, uh, I heard about uh, back in the days when a lot of churches spoke in European languages or the languages of the people that founded that church. And there was this Norwegian Lutheran church where they were converting over to English. And so I spoke up and objected to it and said, But God understands Norwegian. You know, he's not going to understand us. You know, that is the kind of thinking that goes into the worship here. God understands us. And then the next one is prolonged minutia meetings. Prolonged minutia meetings. And then the other church meetings kind of a thing. Went to one church and, uh, one said to me, hey, Pastor, can you help us with, with, with the education committee? Are you going to tell them? I said, well, sure, I'd be happy to hear what's going on. And then she said, we can't get anybody to join our committee. I said, we can't get anybody to join our What is it that you do on the committee? She said, we don't do anything. And I said, well, maybe that's the problem. You know, people don't want to join a committee that does nothing. They don't want to join a group that does nothing. You know, so what we did here was we came up with a new uh, leadership model a few years back that uh, is designed to eliminate those kind of minutia meetings, meetings for the sake of meetings. So what we have are, if we're going to get together for something, we're going to get together for a good reason. And we're going to get together to do things. So this is another thing that I don't see uh, as something that really applies to us. The next is facility-focused. Facility-focused. Now, this is not what we're talking about when we talk about the building project, right? Because a building project really is there so that we can reach out to others so we can sacrifice for the sake of others. But what this is talking about is uh, another church uh, where they, they had this thing that was called the Heritage Room. And the Heritage Room uh, were the pictures of all the former pastors and artifacts from days gone by in the church. 
and the kind of riffraff couldn't go in there. You know, he wouldn't let the homeless in there. He wouldn't let the youth group in there. You know, because it's dangerous. They might find something. You know, and, and that is facility focus. It ignores the fact that the facility is there to serve people. And then there's program driven. I already think about program. What we're talking about here is uh, uh, when a program that is like a program that has a church rather than a church that has a program. And, and you can't get rid of the program because the program is a sacred cow, even though the program is long ago ceased to serve the mission of the church. That would be program driven. The program is driving the church. Again, I don't see what it is. And then we'll be focused budget. Oh, boy, I'll tell you what. This is a church that gives away a lot of money to other people. So when you give it to church, a lot of it goes elsewhere to other people. And, and here today, we've got uh, several Christmas trees back there. One of them is the angel tree that uh, got things on there that uh, allow us to buy things in the name of uh, an inmate and give it to their children. And we've got so many different things that take place like that at Christmas time, different ways to be able to contribute and help other people. But we almost need a scorecard to keep track of them all. I've, I've never seen a church that does so many different things for other people. So is this us? No, absolutely not. In really focused budget. Then, in order to demand for pastoral care, now we have an unusual situation here in that uh, the pioneers are to have a full-time pastor of pastoral care, which is pastor Penn. That's not because we have this uh, cause for something like that or demand for something like that, except that we have pastoral care, but rather because Penn is a gifted in the care, we're able to uh, utilize their gifts to provide exceptional service in this area as we want to in our area. And also, again, I don't think that that's that. Then the next one is attitudes of entitlement. Uh-oh. <laughs> the and the thing is, is that with each one of these things, once you find one that actually needs it, it becomes like the basis and foundation for the next one. The next one is this. Radio consensus comes in the gospel. You can say about that. You can say about that. Or you hear about the pastor who wanted to move the piano from one side of the sanctuary to the other side of the sanctuary. And you know that he thought the interest that was really kind of uh, allergic to change. So what he did was, he thought he would move it slowly. He moved it a few inches each week so that it was gravitating. And then you come in one the week and just a few inches farther over. You, you know, if you missed church for six months, you saw a big change. Otherwise, it didn't see much change at all. Now, the three years, you know, oh man, there's way too much change around this place. And I thought, oh, this thing is just moving. So you hear, if we did that, you know, it would wind up on an angle here as it, as it, came, as it gravitated up on the next level, which would make it real interesting to watch people play that piano. But here, um, you know, it's just changing issues. And the thing is, out there in the world, there's so much change, so many things going on, and all of it isn't good. All of it is not struggling. So, you know, it's just going to have the attitude. The one place that, that I need to go to reference is the church, where nothing never changes. It's unrealistic because the church exists in the world. 
And in the world, there will be things. And it's good. And it's not so good. I mean, if you get a raise, you know, good things. You look at God, you always want to know, isn't it a good thing? And you want to go out with that person. And they say, yes, isn't that a great thing? And there's a lot of things that are good things. But if we are loaded to things, if we are against things, if that's something that is, is just simply something that we can't follow, it can be opposed to even good things. And here's the real problem with that, is that change is a fundamental part of the gospel, fundamental part of the Christian message, that we would be changed from those who are slaves to sin to those who are free in Jesus. We are changed from those who are self-centered to those who are Christ-centered. If we're opposing change, we're opposing the gospel. And if we wind up being that level, that's even above the gospel, which leads us to the next thing, which is this. Anger and evangelistic apathy. The disciples modeled the anger. They're out there on the road. They're angry with each other. They're not at peace with one another because of their new first attitude. But imagine if, if what they would say is, you know what? The world is all about me. And this idea of going out and telling other people about Jesus, I don't know, man, that's kind of a lie. I, I, think, I think I just sit here and just grow up and have a wonderful time. But we wouldn't be sitting here today. So that was the Thankfully, instead, what they did was they, they took on the mind of Jesus. They began to see that there was another way to live. There was another way to be able to connect with had knowledge to their hearts. So things turned out a little bit differently in their life. And that is found in the past that about the attitude of Jesus. And he said this in Philippians 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider his father as something to be grasped, something to be held on to selfishly, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance of a man who humbled himself and became obedient to death. He was death in the cross. Look at Jesus doing. He did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a he humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And this is the kind of Christian that Jesus is. When he took on the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ, instead of the nature, recognizes that it really isn't about me, about Jesus. What kind of Christian do you want to be? One who makes it all about you? Or one who thinks like you? One who has a mind of Christ? And we're going to follow each other. It's going to happen. That's the kind of people. This kind of person is going to be once again. So here's our action step for today. Okay? And it's this. If you want to pick up the burden for a moment, one more, you're going to find a new church. And uh, the insert has uh, got uh, two pledges on it. We've been talking about these pledges. They've been coming up there on the, on the 
Jesus that uh, in Robbie, and, and uh, we're going to read together Pledge Number 3. Now, if you don't mean this at all, don't read it, okay? Um, if you don't have one, see what you want to know. Don't do that. But you can look under your nose or something, okay? So, read my lips. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to invite you to read it out loud with me, okay? Says this, I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. Let's read it together. Share away or am I going to be asked to say this? Okay, let's read it together. Start again. I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires, rather self-serving. I am a member in this church to serve others and to serve Christ. My Savior went to a cross for me. I can deal with any inconveniences and matters that just aren't my preference or style. Now, in response to them, we have this opportunity now, which we'll in just a moment, and that is that to come on up with those Thanksgiving cards that have been given. Um, those of you who thought that it was the 11 team service might have missed out on receiving one from the so I see that you can have those available again and uh, you can get one from them. But on those cards, we've got um, the opportunity to test these pledges and to say, you know what? I want to be that kind of a person. And lay these things up here on the altar. Of course, we've got a spot in there for financial commitment. I don't know, the ladies can get in the altar. There's no spot there for your name or your name for your between you and Jesus. Okay? That's the most important place for you to do. So lay them up on the altar and we'll bring this on and we will uh, go ahead and pray over it. So uh, I'm going to invite Sam to come on up here and pray while we do this. Uh, and you can just come on up as a spirit leads you and say, you know what? I'm going to do that kind of a six-minute lady. Okay? Let's do that now. 